I'm ready to move, move on up to another dimension. I'm ready to change, relocate to another location. There's nothing to hold me here no more. I'm already at the door. For I've got the Holy Ghost here to prove I'm ready to move. Oh, well, this world, it never gets no better. Seems like I've been here forever. Everything after a while just seems the same. So it's time to be up and going. I can feel there's a wind blowing. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to change. Oh, I'm ready to move. Bless you. To another dimension. I'm ready to change. Relocate to another location. There's nothing to hold me here no more. I'm already out the door. For I've got the Holy Ghost here to prove I'm ready to move. Well, everything that I need is in order. Ready now to cross the border to a brand new country. I trust that's your attitude. I'm ready. The bride has made herself ready. She's been feeding on the Word, amen, living between two worlds, as it were. I got one foot already over there saying, Lord, let me just come. Amen. The Bible says, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, you have another one waiting. Have you ever read that? You ever read that and wondered, what about this earthly tabernacle isn't dissolved? Because I hold a little revelation. This body will see a translation, not a dissolvation, a translation. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen to this thing, but we'll just step from time into eternity. Amen. Amen. I was sharing with someone the other day, they were talking about the, you know, happenings and the wonderful power of God that's pouring out. And I said, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I don't really have a lot of interest in seeing the dead raised kind of caught them off guard. I said, that means somebody had to die. I said, I'm interested in seeing those that have gone on before us come back. But just to watch somebody die, to just raise them again from the dead to show them what kind of faith we have, that's not my interest. Lord, keep us alive. Hey, Amen. I don't want to go through that. I don't know about you. I'm not scared of death. Death doesn't fear because I know I go to a better place. There's something beyond this world that's going on. Hey, Amen. But I'm looking for life. Amen. We're not in death. We're in life. And Jesus Christ, he is our life. Amen. There's only one type of eternal life, and that's God's own life. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Sorry to keep you standing there through my excitement. God bless you. Amen. Let's actually turn to Colossians chapter 1. Sorry, I'm changing that on you, sister. Or brother Jonathan there. There's brother Jonathan on it today. God bless you, buddy. Amen. 
Colossians chapter 1. Verse 27. And we're going to read all the way through to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Amen. What was the purpose of the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints? Amen. Amen. Unto whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. Are we in Laodicea? He says, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. How many of you have seen Paul's face in the flesh? None of us. All right. It's for us. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. And though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith that ye may that ye as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of man after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ it's interesting that he would speak that to believers in Laodicea That's what is abounding in the world today. Philosophy and vain deceit, vanity, building somebody up. Traditions of man after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And in him, the rudiments of the world, scientific things. He says, and and in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that ye and ye are complete in him, which is the head the head of all principality and power. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for this service, this opportunity to come into your house again. And thank you for the service this morning, Lord, and your presence being with us, Lord. And we ask again tonight, you just come and speak. Make it real to our hearts, Lord. Father, we pray these mercies in the name of Jesus Christ. And the people said... Amen. You may have your seats if you'd like. Amen. I want to, to take a subject tonight or start on a subject tonight called the brooding of God. It started really last time I spoke about the brooding of God and call it a, a finished work in the atonement. We, we, we read a quote last time I spoke, and I'll just read it here, and then that's the last time I'll refer to the last time I spoke. The last time. He says, and he was God, and the, and the seed is not air with the shock. Brother Branham said, he was God, the Logos. The word that went out of God, when it began to brood upon the earth and it brought forth marine life, when the Spirit of God, the Logos, the word which God said, let there be, and there went the Logos, amen, which is the word, and the word, he says, because all of this was in the Logos, the whole word of God, the whole Bible for every age was in the Logos, and as the Logos began to breathe upon the earth, there come marine life and build it up to burn life and up to animal life. And finally, there comes something in the representation or looked like the thing that was brewing it, brooding over it, God, a man in the very image of God. But that man fell like the seed has to fall. 
And then God began to brood over that after the fall. He brought up an Enoch, and he brought up an Elijah, and he brought up a Moses, and he brought up prophet after prophet trying to restore that image again. And finally upon the earth came a genuine image of God himself again, which was God, the Logos made flesh and dwelt among us. Now that same Logos has a part. He has got a bride and the same Logos, this word that cannot be tampered with, is brooding over the churches today, trying to bring back the word in its full manifestation which the prophets were carriers of that seed. And the church denominations has been carriers of that seed. Now, notice quickly, but like the shuck hugs, holds the seed now, but then it leaves her. Amen. That's a lot of reading right off the, 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 the beginning of it here. But I just want to take notice of the, the cycles that God puts it through. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know Brother Brandon would take that, talk about the Logos that brooded over the earth and begin to go and work its way up from just marine life and animal life to come into something that was in the image of the one that was brooding over it. Until finally then that seed that was Adam, the first one that fell, but even though that fell, God wasn't done brooding over the earth. God had a seed there that he wanted to bring forth and bring to perfection and bring to manifestation. So he kept brooding over it. And as he brooded over that seed, he would say it brought forth different prophets, different ones. But those were shadows and types of something that was to come. They were shadows of a perfection that was to come forth in Jesus Christ. And finally it came and it brought forth in the womb of a woman. It created the embryo and it created the seed and it brought them together to create the Lord Jesus Christ, which was in the image of God again, exactly what he was purposed to do, but it was all to come to a place where he could again allow the seed to go in the ground and die so that it did not abide alone because he would say, we are now a new creation in Christ Jesus, another seed that he's desiring to brood over. Amen. It's, it's the same seed that's gone down the ground, comes back forth again in a multiplied number. Amen. But he had to go down, and I just want to dwell tonight in this, in the atonement. It's a finished work in the atonement. Because in, in the atonement, he paid for everything that we need to come back to perfection. He made sure we had all of the, the power that was needed to produce the seed, all the food that was needed. It was in there, and it just had to come forth from that through revelation, through a fivefold ministry. Amen. But now, if I want, if you could take with me, and let's, let's go back another step and look at some of the, one of the types of the atonement, and go with me to Genesis chapter 45, if you will, Genesis chapter 45. I'm just going to ask that you, you bear with me and stay with me as I, I don't want to be long tonight. It's a beautiful day outside. We almost should have had church in the parking lot. But we all would have got sunburned out there. Amen. Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. <clears throat> we know the story of Joseph very well and all of the things that happened. We'll get into it in a bit, but if we start in verse 45, he says, And when Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man, Cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his, and his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled in his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brethren, whom ye hold whom you sold into Egypt, and therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. You sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. 
For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there will be five more years where there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. For he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord in all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. And I'll nourish you. And verse 12 says, And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, and it is my mouth that speaketh to you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. Jump down to verse 25. It says, And they went out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. I want you, as much as we've read this story so many times, I want you to just read this now as, as though you're reading it for the first time. Put yourself in these shoes for a minute. And they came to Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, and he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. This is, this is a part of, of God brooding over his fallen seed, writing out types and shadows in the Bible of greater things to come. And we know that in, in Joseph, Joseph was a representation of perfection, and he was a perfect type of Christ. The perfection, though, was in the creation of Jesus Christ. And he's bringing this creation to his bride, of his bride to the same perfection. But Joseph now being a type of Christ, all, think of all that happened now between the time he was sold into slavery and the time of reunion with his father. As Joseph went out, the last time he spoke to his father, he was there saying, you know, your brothers are out tending the sheep. Why don't you take them some barley loaves and take them to go out and, and go feed your brothers? And he went out to do that. Of course, they sold him into slavery. And as he went through all of the things, 30 pieces of silver, and he goes down into Egypt, and he has to go through the trying of a slave market, and he, he gets sold to Potiphar. And he, as he begins to... to, to uh, labor in Potiphar's house. She becomes the master of Potiphar's house where Potiphar then it says, the Bible says he doesn't even know anything about what he has except for the very food that's on the table in front of him. He raises up to that sort of level in that kind of a ministry, but then he gets falsely accused, gets sent down into the prison, and even in the prison he becomes the master of the prison. That even the jailer says, why, why am I being a jailer anymore? You're such a great man and such a great prisoner. You could take care of the other prisoners. And he begins to do all these things. And we know the butler and the baker comes in and there was, their dreams were foretold. And finally he rises up to the right hand of Pharaoh. But even in all of these things, there was many times that maybe Joseph couldn't see the hand of God working. But in all of it, in the end, as he come down to his revealing himself to his brother, and he began to say, it wasn't you that sent me here. It wasn't even you that was pushing you to do this thing that you would say, we've sinned this horrible sin and we've lied for years to our father about what happened to Joseph, his beloved son. But even still, that wasn't you. 
But God allowed those things to happen to bring to pass his will in a way that you couldn't have understood looking back all those years and seeing all the sin and seeing all the things. God, I would have never seen myself where I am today, but it was in God's plan back then to have you do what you did so that you could be where you are today to help somebody else. Amen. Amen. So you could be a testimony, so you could be a help in the body of Christ, so you could empathize, sympathize, and pray for somebody that's in need and that's hurting and that's in trouble, that you could be a Joseph to stand there and say, but Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, I would be just like them. I would be wandering about out of Israel looking for food, but you brought me here beforehand so I could be know, so I could know your will. Hallelujah. You see, I've really been on the message a long time, Brother Andrew. Praise God. I hope you've been studying a lot. I hope you've been feeding a lot because there's going to come a time where someone's going to need what you got. Where someone's going to need you to minister to them. And if we've just been hanging around, then, then, then we're not any good to anybody else. Amen. We need to be pouring ourselves into the Word of God. Allow the Word to be ripening within us so the shuck of ourselves can pull away and we can allow God to manifest the seed in our lives. Hallelujah. But here are all of these things that Joseph went through before he could ever get to the place. But imagine as they were standing there and and, then Joseph was, was telling them, go and tell my father these things. I'm happy that he told his brethren what to say. They would have been very clueless, dumbfounded, stuttering, stammering. But it took somebody with some wisdom to say, tell them this. Say these words. God doesn't just leave us with stuttering, stammering lips, unsure of how to explain the gospel. But he said, take no thought what you should say. But the Holy Ghost will speak for you. He'll give you utterance. He'll give you the words to speak. It's not about you trying to go back down to Israel thinking, well, what am I, how am I going to tell this to daddy? What am I going to say? I got all these problems. No, Joseph already said, say these words. And when you say these words, he'll recognize it's me. And then show him the things that I've sent you. Then he'll recognize it's Joseph. And we know how we read it in here. We're now it finally comes down. He says, he's seen all that Joseph had given me. He says, it is enough. Those words is not just three words to put together and say, okay, I'm now convinced. But it was enough to make atonement for the sins of the brothers. To say, I'm convinced now. The past is the past. All that's, all that's been done, all the years of lying, it doesn't matter anymore. Joseph is alive. Joseph is alive. He's here. God shows him in the next chapter, go down, Joseph will put his hands, and God confirms the word directly to Jacob. These are shadows and types, and you could look at it, you say, well, it's, it's, just, it, it's just a shadow, it's just a type of jo- God, re- Jesus coming back, revealing himself to his brethren and things. That's part of it, but if you look at the types and the shadows in the Old Testament, they roll in cycles and they overlap one another, and it's multifaceted. It's amazing how God wrote his word in such a phenomenal way. But if you could look at the, at the type of Jesus Christ, even in the, the, the last moments of his life, from the time that he was, of the life of Jesus, from the time he was sold, unto the time that he was at the right hand of God. How that in John chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, it says, The supper being ended, and the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now remember, Satan cannot do nothing but what God allows him to do first. In other words, something had already taken place in the supernatural that he said, now's the time. Go put in the heart of Judas what to do. He says, and Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. What about Jake, Joseph? All things were in Joseph's hands. Pharaoh had given it all, said it's, it's all in you. Whatever you do, Joseph, you, you've got the wisdom. I don't have the wisdom. I'll just be Pharaoh and you, whatever you say, that's good enough for me. All things are in your hands. 
And now it comes to this time. We come right down to the end. He says, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he come from God and went to God. And we know as, 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 as message believers, I'm just going to talk to you as believers tonight, that the Spirit has left him at Gethsemane. When he went to Gethsemane and he prayed, the anointing left him, but still it was the created body of Jesus. There was a separation there because God could not die. Eternal life cannot die. It had to go from him so he could die for our sins. But it was still the created body of Jesus Christ. The blood of God was still sitting there in a body, living and breathing with a human spirit in it. The body that had done no wrong. It wasn't that good. He didn't do any wrong since the Holy Spirit came in in, 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 in in the form of a dove and it came down in the fullness of God dwelt bodily in him. No, that wasn't the time. He had never. There was no, nothing on him. There was no mark, even as a child, that he ever told a lie. There was nothing on Christ. He was perfect. But the connection was lost. There was such character, though, molded into that flesh, then that human spirit, that he perfectly exemplified God without the anointing on him. Think about that for a moment. With there being that separation at Gethsemane, still he went through all of those things, perfectly fulfilled the scripture. Imagine the reports of the angels before the throne of God. As he stood there in Pilate's halls, he stood there in the temple even, before Caiaphas, and they come up into the glory of God, the angels ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder, as we say, saying, but they're, they're falsely accusing him. Imagine sitting there and your son standing there, standing trial, and someone come up and say, you can stop it. It's a false accusation. They're scourging him. They put a crown of thorns on his heads. Poisonous thorns, they thrust it down. He's bleeding, it's running down his face. Please let us stop it. Let us wipe these people off the face of the earth. This was the mystery of God being revealed. He was manifesting it down on the earth as the angels were watching, not understanding, not knowing everything that had to be take place. But there he was. God was watching what was going on. He said, don't stop it. Imagine as they came back up, said, oh, they beat him. They bruised him. They've whipped him. They've chastised him. I can imagine the glory of God shining so brightly in heaven, almost pulsating. It seems that emerald light is just getting brighter and brighter. Why, what's happening? That logos that had been brooding for generation, for generation after generation, it's coming to perfection. It's manifesting all the types, all the shadows that I've put down, all of the scriptures, all the prophecies, one after another, after another, after another, after another. And here's the glory of God just pulsating up in glory, saying, oh, it pleased him. As he took all the sins of the world, Upon him and drugged that old cross up Golgotha's hill. As he hung on the cross, there was a cry that went through all the ramparts of glory, through the valleys of the earth, through the lowest parts of hell. Three simple words again It is finished. It is enough. It's finished. At this point, it didn't matter what messages the angels had, the angels would have just bowed their head. The king of glory laid there in his, laid down his perfect body, shed his perfect blood for a perpetuation for the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. So they pierced his side. Imagine the angels just holding their head down, knowing the life is gone. 
So they drove the spear up through his side and outflowed water and blood. Crucified. If I read a scripture to you from Genesis chapter 37, verse 32, it says, And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be your son's coat or not. And he knew it. It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put on sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. And he refused to be comforted for he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Here on the cross, the very heart of God burst open. The blood and water come forth from his body and the skies went dark. We could read in the scriptures where the skies went dark. The earth began to shake. The lightning flashed. The thunder began to roll. Well, it's the very emotions of the Father crying out. Oh, but how it pleased him. What happened? He read the very clothes that, that veiled his glory. He rent the veil from the top to the bottom, just exactly the way Jacob, when he seen the blood of his son, as he thought it was, he rent his clothes. It was a type showing that all the, 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 the emotions, even of God, as he cried forth, my son. Oh, it moved God. Joseph went to prison by false accusation. Jesus descended into the lowest parts of hell. But as Joseph became ruler of the prison, so Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Took the rulership out of the hands of Lucifer. And now he is victorious over every part of hell. Every devil that was deceived by Lucifer, Jesus rules over. Even the grave shook and on the third day loosed all those whose names were on the book and he ascended before God to present the sacrifice and made the atonement for all sin. That's a lot shoved into a short little bit, but Isaiah 53 would put it into two verses really and say, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put upon him to grief when, the, when thou shalt take his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. It is enough. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he bear their iniquities. God was satisfied. It loosed the authority over everything that Jesus conquered to every believer. When Jesus went down into hell, when Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, when Jesus rose again on the third day, when Jesus went before the Father and made the atonement and came back and presented himself to his disciples, what was he doing? He was loosing the, the authority over everything that he conquered to the believers. All that would believe, he's saying to you, I'm giving you Hallelujah, because we know he went and he made perpetuation for our sins and he returned back again. Presented himself showing he's alive forevermore. Ascended before his own disciples and did what? Sent the Holy Ghost. You say, Brother Andrew, why are you so excited? This is something we've heard it over and over again. But it's just as real today. I'm not here to bring you a new thing. I'm here to tell you that in the atonement, there's everything that you have need of. Yes. To the Gentile, he had been taught power and authority. We're the Gentiles. We've been taught power and authority. It's according to what you believe. Both, to the, both to their, of their faith in Jesus Christ. One said, speak the word and it'll be done. The other one said, lay your hands on the sick and it, it'll be done. One was the Jew. They said they believed in the laying on of hands. But to the Gentiles, it was speak the word. He said, see, it's according to what you believe. 
That's the way it is here tonight. Many people's got the idea when people pray for the sick that there has to be something in the person that's praying for the sick that heals the sick. He says, that's an error. Think about that. It's not about something in your pasture, something in this brother, something in that brother, this minister, that minister, this evangelist, that evangelist. It's not the person, but it's Jesus Christ. It's your faith in the atonement that looses it upon your life. It's Christ that heals the sick. In his death at Calvary, he paid the price for all the sin, all sickness in the world, that whosoever would believe upon the atonement he made can ask whatever, can have whatever you ask for. The trouble lays in the people. It's your faith. Your faith in the atonement gives you the authority over everything included in the atonement. Well, the Brown says this in 1960, and from that time, he says, I would have everyone remember, he says, now we, no one can heal another person. It is only done by faith. If Jesus were here tonight in this suit, he wouldn't, could not heal you. Listen closely now, you ministers, divine healing, salvation, anything that was included in the atonement is past tense. Anything that's included in the atonement, it's already done. The price has already been paid. The brooding of the Spirit over the Old Testament was now completed to bring about the perfection to come to a place where he could make the atonement so that everything you have need of, it's already paid for. Hallelujah. Because without that perfection coming and dying on the cross, we could not come to perfection. Without Jesus Christ making the atonement, God could not send a five-fold ministry to perfect the saints. Without Jesus dying on the cross, he could not send his Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth. They had to come through the blood first. Hallelujah. So that now he could send his spirit and brood directly over his new creation. A Gentile bride that he could present to himself one day. Let's go here for a minute. In the Ephesian church age. Brother Branham says, let it, be in, let it be first in, or he says, the Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Is that right? Whatever you do in word or in deed. If you marry, marry a person. If you can't, if they're all scrupled up in their marriage, don't marry them. That ought to settle it right there. He says, but if you can't freely say, I pronounce you husband and wife in the name of Jesus Christ, let them go. If you want to baptize them, baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. If you have to do something and you can't do it in, the, in Jesus' name, let it alone. Somebody said, take a little drink. Oh, you, but you can't do that in the Jesus' name. So let it alone. Somebody said, play a little card. You can't do that in Jesus' name. So let it alone. A little dirty, smutty joke at the bridge party. You can't do that in Jesus' name. So let it alone. See, you can't wear shorts in Jesus' name. So let it alone. I could go on and on. He says, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, you can't do that. What you can't do in Jesus' name, let it alone. He says, so whatever you do, do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me just, let me just iterate that. It says, if you cannot do it in the name of Jesus, don't do it. Now, that doesn't mean you just go around saying, I'm putting on my socks in Jesus' name. I'm brushing my teeth in Jesus' name. I'm starting my car in Jesus' name. No, that's not what he's talking about. It's not some super spiritual thing. But rather to live pleasing to him. If what you're doing right now, if Jesus was to come and sit down beside you, would he be pleased? Does he feel welcome in your midst? Amen. And, and, but, but if you can see that what you're doing is in Jesus Christ, in the Word, then what you're saying is that what I am doing, my goals, my activities, my thoughts are covered in the atonement for my sins. Because listen, if... if, if, if then, then you can say, I'm not stepping outside of the atonement to accomplish what I set out to do. If you can't do what you're doing in the name of Jesus, you have to step outside of the atonement to accomplish what you're doing. 
You have to step outside of the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for your sins. See, now, if you step outside of that atonement, therefore out from under the blood of Jesus, then outside there, Satan has a right to attack you. I'm just trying to, to, to get this. I'm just trying to get that. Be careful. Are you doing it with the right motive and the right objective? Is it something you could say, I know Jesus is pleased with me? He says, then tonight we're safely, completely resting in the atonement that our Lord made for us. Knowing this, that when the judgment comes, we'll float right above the judgments. We'll be taken out of the world and will not have to stand the judgment. For the Lord promised us in St. John 5, 24, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has eternal life and will not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Well, praise God, I want to live in that way. Well, then live so that Christ is pleased with your life. Do all that you do in word or deed. Do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't step outside of that to accomplish something or to get ahead in something. Stay in, in, in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says everything, anything that was included in the atonement is the personal property of every believer. You don't have to go outside the atonement. Everything included in it is the personal property of every believer. He says, what belongs in the atonement? Anything that you have need of. He fulfilled everything when he lost it. Everything that we lost in Adam, he fulfilled in the vicarious suffering at Calvary. He says, I'll place every redemptive blessing in the atonement everything. Jesus didn't bleed twice. He didn't die twice. But divine healing and every blessing that you have need of was made for you in one atonement. There's his word and his blood is to take care of it. Everything he put in the atonement is ours. We have it by faith. Just accept it and walk forward and confess it and watch what takes place. It will work it. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have to step outside the atonement. You don't have to go outside of the, the word of God to, to live this life. You don't have to, to try and get, get ahead in life. But rather if you stay humble enough and stay under the word of God, he'll make sure you have everything that you have need of and you have a right then to claim everything you need because you're living in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, and as for your healing, if you need healing, Christ already died for that. If you need salvation, if you need a spiritual lift, Hallelujah. You say, I'm already saved. I don't need healing. I could just use a little lifting up. He says, if you need that, whatever it is, Christ died for that. Anything that is in the atonement belongs to the believer. Hallelujah. What you have need of belongs to you. What am I doing? I'm just encouraging you to recognize that the, the lies the devil has been telling you is a lie. Everything in the atonement is yours. It's not someone that you have to go get. It's your personal property. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Ed, when's the last time I called you to ask if I could go use the shovel in my garage? Yesterday, he says. He's got a good sense of humor. I should have chose somebody else. I didn't. I don't have to call Sister Susan and say, is the cheese in my fridge okay to eat? It's mine. It's my personal property. I bought it. I own it. Everything that's in the atonement is the personal property of the believer. You don't have to go around and you don't even have to ask the pastor, can I come and be healed? The Gentile way would speak the word. Then when this preaching of the word goes forth, you just believe that it's already finished. It's finished. 
Hallelujah. You might walk for the Bible says in one place says you might come at the altar and get saved and walk out and everyone say, well, he comes out in the same jacket he went in with, the same tie he went in with. He looks exactly the same. He therefore he's not saved, but just because you look the same doesn't matter because there's something on the inside that you know you've been saved. Healing's exactly the same way when you have faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When you have faith that he's already paid for your healing, that by his stripes you are already healed. You might say, it doesn't look any different. I don't feel any different. But you know something on the inside of the inside. It is mine. Because Jesus said so. He's already paid the price. I don't have to ask anybody else. I know. Hallelujah. That's the revelation of the atonement. It's all in there. What did the message come and do? It came and gave you a revelation of what was already in the atonement. When you begin to look and you read in, 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 in the message and the wonderful truths that are in the message, you begin to look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. i never seen that before. It was already there. It's not something you have to attain to. He already paid for it at Calvary. He already went before God and said, every name that's in that book, I've redeemed it. It's mine. Therefore, every name, if your name was ever on the book of life, it'll never be taken off the Lamb's book of life. It cannot be blotted out from that. It's mine. So I encourage you tonight as we stand to our feet, whatever you have need of, Just walk into God's convenience store tonight. You don't have to ask the clerk and take something up to the tail and say, can I get a price check on this? There was no labeled price. There's no labeled price because there is no price. Because he already bought the store. You know, the world has this thing Forgive me for going down this road. I hope it's okay. Well, they love to make movies, and they think it's the coolest thing to have some really, really, really rich guy in the movie. You know, I've seen a little clip. I think it was from Batman or something like that. And Superman loses his house, and he comes, and he says, well, here's your house back. And, 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 and he says, well, how did you get the house back? He says, I bought the bank. <laughs> and I think that's really cool. I have this really rich guy. He just doesn't care about all the damage. Everything goes, he's super rich. He can just buy anything. Listen, you've got the ultimate superhero. You come and say, well, how, how do I know, Lord? I failed so bad. It was in such bad disarray. There's no way in the world I was hopeless. He says, I bought the bank. I bought the whole store. I bought the whole thing. It's all yours. All you got to do is have enough faith to walk in there and go get what's yours. You don't have to worry about, oh, maybe there's a price and it's too much. So I got to do penance. That's a Catholic dogma. You don't got to get on your knees and scrape and wash the floor. Oh, God, no. We get on our knees to do what? To worship. To praise him. To thank him for what he's already done for us. Because he already knows what you have need of before you ask him. But he wants you to come in faith and ask him. Hallelujah. There's never a deficiency either. You never walk into that store and see an empty shelf. I just needed some milk, but they were out of milk. Oh, man, I got to go somewhere else now. Oh, it's always full. If you ever walked into God's convenience store and there was an empty shelf, you walked into the wrong store. Because Satan's a liar. He likes to put up lots of signs. This is God over here. This is God over there. This is God over here. This is God right here. He's the only God created. Without human hands. He's not in need of anything we can give. He's God. That's just the way it is. What do you need? He already bought the bank. So how come he's got checks with my names on the bottom? He's already signed them all and they're just blank checks. How do I know it's going to work? Because he's the one who owns the account it's coming out of. And he's the one that holds the account it's going into. He knows. It's nothing more than a piece of paper that says, I have faith. That's it. 
He's God. He's infinite. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We could sing that song. You want to sing that? You are God alone. Do you know that? I know we sang it this morning, but go ahead and put the words up there, Brother Jonathan. You are not a God created by human hand. You are not a God dependent on mortal mind. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. Oh, you are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and everything we can give your God and that's just the way it is you are God alone from before time began you were on your throne you are God alone and right now in the good times and You are God. 